All right. Uh, so, hey, this morning we are going to um, look at one verse in Judges, but this isn't part of the Judges series. And um, the other thing is, uh, here's the thing. We're going to take a break from Judges because Matt already had this sermon all ready to go. And then he decided to tell me on Friday that he wouldn't be here. So um, I was like, okay, let's see what happens then. And you know, um, Stacy asked me yesterday where we were doing concessions, and she's like, you got your sermon ready? And I chuckled, and I'm like, nope. And she's like, you winging it? And I'm like, yep. Um, I'm really not, kind of. Um, but we're going to look at one verse. Now, here's the thing. I have no PowerPoint, uh, so hopefully everybody uh, is good to, to follow along. I'll try my best. We don't have a ton of scripture we're going to look at. But we are going to start in Judges, uh, because I was thinking about this. So in Judges chapter 2, uh, verses 10 and 11, is another thing I was thinking about as, as Matt preached on it on Sunday. And, and this is another scripture that was kind of going through my head, um, even kind of with the, the music that was picked and thinking about remembering and thinking about, uh, you know, how God has been faithful in all of this and, and, and in life and all this stuff. And in Judges chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, it says this, another generation grew up who, neither, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So what I started thinking about with that is I was like, man, here's the Bible telling us that we had an entire generation um, of Israel, the entire nation of Israel forgot, right? They, they just forgot. Um, and the Bible says they didn't know the Lord and they didn't know anything that he had done for Israel. It was completely forgotten. So I started thinking a lot this week about just forgetfulness, and the call to be people of remembrance, and God calling us to remember. And, and that's why I just want to spend a few moments uh, talking about this morning and some things that have kind of been going through my mind uh, and just thinking through in Scripture. Um, but think about this for a moment. Uh, a study was done to people that, you know, in uh, business community, in the business community and training when you're at a, your job and they would do training and, and they wanted to kind of get an idea of how much information do people retain when they're in these kind of training things. Uh, so they did this study and this is kind of what, this is the results they came back with. On average, on average, um, people forget about 50% of the information presented that, to them the moment it's presented to them. Right? So like you go to the training or whatever information is provided, it's like you're only going to walk out with about 50%. Okay? Well, then they noticed this. Within 24 hours, people had forgotten about 70% of the information presented to them. Okay? Within 24 hours, 70%. And then a week. How much information did a person remember in a week? And they found that it was about 90% of the information that was presented to them had been forgotten. So, so they found in this, this idea of when you're presenting new information to people, the average person, now some of us are better than others, right? I mean, here's the thing. I have a horrible memory. I, well, I remember stupid stuff. That's what I remember, right? Like, I remember hearing Dr. Dre and the dentist, and I can still sing lyrics, right? That's what I remember, stupid stuff. Okay. Now my wife, though, she can remember, like, here's the thing. I love watching the Hawkeyes. I do love watching the Hawkeyes. But here's the thing. I'm not that invested. She's, like, yelling at the players' names. I'm like, how do you know who they are? Like, how do you remember all these people's names? 
And she's just like, well, he played like four weeks ago for two minutes. Don't you remember? I'm like, and I'm not even exaggerating. It makes me feel horrible because I can't remember. Some people are better than others, but they say on average that we forget 90% of information that is provided to us, new information that is given to us. So if you're here and you're like, man, I have a bad memory, everybody does. We are very forgetful people. This is why in the Bible we are called to remembrance a lot. In fact, there is over 150. Depending on what version of the Bible you are reading, the word remember actually can come up more than 200 times in the Bible. Constantly, God is calling us to be people that remember. And then he also tells us that he is a God that remembers. He says over and over again that I will remember my covenant with you. And then he calls us to remember. Direct commands from God to remember. C.S. Lewis The great theologian C.S. Lewis actually said this that I thought was very interesting. He says, people need to be reminded more than instructed. See, see, C.S. Lewis is basically saying, hey, in the church, we do a lot of teaching. We do a lot of talking. We try to present new things and new ideas. But he says, the problem is most people do not need to learn anything new. They just need to be reminded of what they already know. Because we have this tendency to forget. See, many times in life, especially in our Christian walk, in our lives with Christ, in our growing in faith or whatever it is, or if something comes against us or a circumstance comes against us, many times in our lives, we will never find ourselves in a position where we have to discover some new truth in order to be victorious or to overcome what's in front of us. We do not need to learn many times something new. We do not even need to have some new understanding of God. What we need to do is simply, we need to remember and trust what we already know. Because there's the thing, many times in life, we have situations and circumstances that come in our face, and in that moment, we forget the very most important truths that we need to stand on. And that is why God calls us to be people that remember. So now here's the thing about remembering. The call to remember, right? When we think about God saying, remember this. He is not simply telling us to recall information. He's not just asking us to know the details or the facts about the past. That is not what God says or means when he calls us to remember. What he's saying is, I want you to be people that remember in a way that allows the truth of what you already know to impact and determine what currently is and what will be. He's saying, when you remember something, I just don't want you to say, yes, I know the facts of that. I know the story of that. I know. He's like, no, remember it because the truth of it should actually determine how you live out your day and how you live out your life right now. See, it was funny, you know, if those of you that are doing the Bible reading, we have our daily Bible reading plan right now. And uh, it's funny because we've been doing it as a family. And and the first couple of nights, it was great. And it's been great. I shouldn't say that. It's been great every night. 
Um, but here's the thing. The first couple of nights, we, we were really good, and we got it done, you know, pretty early, and we weren't rushed. And then it seems like every night since then, life gets crazy, and we're, we got like 15 minutes before bedtime to get this done. And it's funny because every, every night lately, it's been, we open up the Bible, and I'll be like, How much, what do we got to read? And Amy will be like, like, eight chapters. Like, eight chapters? Like, that's a lot. Anyways, I'm just complaining. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if you've been doing the reading plan, but it was funny because there's been comments made of like, why does God repeat so many times? Like, I just read that. Legitimately, word for word. Why does he, it, it's, it's hilarious when we're reading because our daughter Piper, because we'll all take turns reading chapters. And it's really funny because when we were reading some of the chapters where he literally repeats the thing, right? She was skipping lines <laughs> because her brain would jump. She's like, well, there's the word. She'd go to him like, baby, you just skipped like four verses. Like you got to go back, you know? That's why when we, we read this is because God knows we forget way too easily, and he keeps repeating it and repeating it because he wants that truth not just to be facts that we can regurgitate and that we can say and that we can be like, well, I know that. He wants that truth to be something that actually determines and impacts your life right here and now. Remember. See, remembrance is actually an active working of our faith. Right? When we choose to remember, we're actually choosing to activate our faith because we're remembering the God who performed these mighty works of the past. And we're trusting because he's the mighty God of today that is still working in our lives. See, this is activating our faith when we choose to remember that the God who acted in the past is acting now. He is the living God. He is the great I am. He is the sovereign Lord that is over all. That's what happens when we remember. See, it's interesting if you think about it. Um, you know, growing up in church and all of that, you know, you, you hear the stories of, of the things that God has done. God parting the Red Sea, right? When is the last time you ever faced something in your life and it seems so overwhelming and the odds so much against you, but you stood there and said, you know what? It doesn't matter because my God parts the Red Sea. Right? Remembrance. You know, when's the last time that you looked at your life and the enemy came against you and tried to say you are, are broken to the point that God can't use you? You were to the point that you're too much of a mess. God could never redeem someone like you. And, and he's bringing this doubt, trying to make you pull away from God. But you say, you know what? Jesus is the one that knelt down with the woman that was caught in adultery. And said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I'm going to stand in that truth. And what I know from the past, because I'm choosing to remember, is going to determine how I live my life today. This is why God calls us to remembrance. In the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 46... Right, I'm going to, I'll reference all my verses if you want to write them down. But in Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10, 
Okay, uh, God says something amazing that we need to hold on to. He says this, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. He says, remember the former things, those of long ago. He says, I am, the, I am God and there is no one other than me. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Basically what God is saying is he's like, remember the former things because you see everything I've done before. I can do those things now because I am God and there is none like me. Again, when we read these stories in the Old Testament, you read about how God showed his power for Israel and how God led them. How many times do you stand there and say, the God of the universe, the almighty living God that led the people of Israel and gave them victory, that is the God that I follow today. And there's nothing that can stand in front of me. There's nothing that can get in my way. You can look this one up. It's a little bit longer, but in Psalms uh, chapter 77, this is another verse that kind of came to mind as I was thinking through this. Psalm 77, verses 11 through 15. Psalm 77, verses 11 through 15, talking about how the psalmist is responding to the call to remember. He says this, starting at verse 11. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. This is what we're called to be as people that remember. Lord, I remember your mighty works. I remember the power that you have shown. I remember how you have acted on my behalf and on our behalf. I remember This is why he calls us, remember, I will remember your glorious deeds. See, here's the thing. God has empowered every single one of us with an amazing gift. And it's the ability to remember. But just like any other blessing given to us by God, sin attempts to distort it. And make it that we use it in such a way that it does not bring the glory and the purposes for why God gave it. This is when memories can actually work against us versus the way God wants them to work. Because, see, we're not just talking about what God did in the Bible, right? God has been working from the very beginning. It's not just about remembering what God has done in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's also remembering what he's done in your very lives, So we have our own memories that God wants to use and he wants us to remember so that he can strengthen our faith and build our faith and encourage us to move forward. But sin attempts to distort how we remember. So one scripture as we we look at this story in Judges and we look at how they got here. So Deuteronomy, I'm going to take one verse. And Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 12 simply says this. Deuteronomy 6, 12. Take care that you do not forget the Lord 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. That's the call from God to remember. Do not forget the Lord. Do not forget the Lord who brought you out of slavery, who brought you out of Egypt. So let me give you three ways that the enemy in sin wants to distort how we use remembering. First is this. It's when we replace God as the focal point of the memory. So what I mean by that is simply this, is we make something else the main character of the remembrance. Normally the main character is me. Right? We make it about me. The starting point of sin is when we replace God with ourselves. So when we choose to remember, but we're making the memories about me versus how does this, how does this memory glorify God, we've actually distorted the purpose of the memory. See, God's the focal point in everything. See, here's the thing. We we make God the focal point about the spiritual things, but God should be the focal point in everything. You know, if you think about this, I mean, not to make it trivial or, or just silly, but if you think about this, hopefully everybody here can at least remember waking up this morning. Hopefully your memory's not that bad. You can still remember waking up this morning. Right? Do you realize even that memory, if you think about it, it's not about you. Your eyes didn't even open because they only opened because God allowed you to awake. You only got out of bed because God allowed you to raise yourself up out of bed. You only got dressed because God has blessed you with the ability to move. And, and, and everything is about God. So when we would look back on our past and our experiences, whether good or bad, the first question is, how does that glorify God? What does that show me about God? Where did God show, where did God show up in this? God's the main character, not me. What about this grows me closer to him? What about this reveals him to me? What about this teaches me and strengthens my faith? What about this memory is about him? The second way that we do this is we also distort reality when it comes to the way we remember things. Um... What I mean by that is, is notice that one of the things God said is, don't forget the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt. Here's the thing that I find really funny about this is, is notice some of the ways that the Israelites would refer to Egypt. There was actually one point in Exodus where this is, this is literally what the, the people said. If only we had died in Egypt, at least we sat around pots of meat and, and had food, all the food that we wanted. That was their attitude. Basically, they're saying, God, Egypt wasn't that bad, right? They're distorting the memory. They actually said this in numbers. They said, we remember the fish that we had at no cost. Oh, we remember the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Oh, but our appetite is gone. There is nothing here but this manna. Remember, these are the people that were in bondage and slavery and being abused and whipped and crying out to God for 400 years, save us, save us, save us. And now they're saying, they're looking back on the memory and they're saying, you know, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, they had melons. Let's go back to that. 
In fact, there was many times in Scripture that it tells us the people actually looked at Moses and, and at one point said, let's get a different leader who will take us back. Because the memory isn't that bad. We distort reality because we allow our emotions to be the lens that we view the memory through versus what actually took place. Now, here's the thing with that. Sometimes we can look back at bad memories and we try to gloss them over and not see them for what they were really like. Other times we can take really good memories and we can gloss them over and try to make them more than they really were. And what happens when we distort reality is then what happens is we can move into the last, the the third distortion and simply is this. We start living for what was instead of what will be. We start saying things like this, man, it would be nice to go back to the good old days. Man, if we could just go back to the way it was. And we start living in the past of, it was so much better then. I've decided this week, I've had a few things that made me feel a little bit older. Um, One of them was we went to Burger King on Friday night. And here's why I felt older. We're in Burger King parking lot, or in the drive-thru. And only one of my kids wanted Burger King. One kid. And so I order. And they tell me the total. And for one meal and one small drink was like 11.20 something. And I legitimately, in the car, 11, 20, I, I, I verbally said it. And I did the famous, I remember when I could get that for, and I was like, dang, I've reached that moment, right? I've reached it. I can look back in decades now and say, you remember when, right? Here's the thing. We've heard this before, and you maybe even said it. I want to go back to the good old days. The good old days probably weren't that good in the first place. But we distort reality when we look back. Because sin wants us to look back and gloss over what God wants to do, and we want to spend all of our time looking back at what we think we lost. Oh, if we could just go back. If it just would be like this again. Now, I get it. When we look back and remember, there will be moments that we will look back with fondness and say, man, I miss aspects of life. Especially when you look back maybe at people that you've lost and say, man, I I really wish I could have that time again or I could be with this person or I could experience this once again. But here's the deal. Even those moments can't be about living in the past. Because those moments, when we have those moments in remembering, and we remember what it used to be like, and we say, man, I wish that I could experience that one more time, that should motivate us to look at our lives now and say, you know what, I'm going to live life to the fullest now. Because I don't want to regret maybe what I didn't do then. See, it's not about living in the past. Because here's the thing, many times we can get caught living in the past so much that it just robs your present and it destroys your future. And some of us in this place are probably in that position in some ways. Man, I just want to go back to the way it was. And you spend all your time remembering and you miss everything that God's doing right in front of you. And while you miss everything God's doing right in front of you, we also miss everything that he has prepared for us in the future. Because we're more worried about what I wish I still had. Here's the thing, that's the way sin wants to distort it. 
God calls us to remember, but sin wants to make it about me. Sin wants me to distort what it actually was like and, and distort the reality of the situation. And he also wants me to spend all my time looking backwards. Remember, Jesus said this, anyone that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. That's not a dig on remembering. That's saying, quit living back there. Because God is a God that moves forward. We take what we learn, we take what we experience, and we move forward with God. Now, here's the thing. Why should we remember? Why is it important to be people of remembrance? Here's some encouragement with this, and hopefully it'll be like, yes, that's what I want from this. First is this. Remembering makes us aware. Right? When we choose to be people that remember the way God calls us to remember, it makes us aware. Here are some of the things it's going to make us aware of. It's going to make us aware of God's presence in our lives. There's this amazing thing that if you start looking back on your life and your own experiences and you start asking yourself, man, where was God in that? God will show you where he was in that. And you're going to start realizing God was with you at times that you never realized he was with you. God was interceding at times that you never thought he was interceding. God's presence has been with you every moment of every day if we just choose to start looking back and looking for him. And as we become aware of God's presence, we're going to start noticing God's actions in our lives. We start becoming aware of, man, that wasn't just a coincidence that that happened. God was moving and God was working. It's amazing how certain conversations, certain situations, certain uh, uh, you know, actions of people happen at these moments when you're like, why did it happen that way? And that's when God shows up and says, because I'm making you remember that I was there with you every step of the way. See, again, the reason we miss this and we don't become aware of this is because we look back with us as the focal point. But if we look back with God as the focal point, God will show you where he was. It's kind of like, have you ever, I'm, I'm going to give you examples. Any, any people that like mash? They like the, the, thank you. I've watched like everyone multiple times, right? Anybody that doesn't know mash, you're missing out. Benjamin. Because you're too young. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, MASH. I don't know if anybody knew this, but the guy that played Radar, did you know that he had a messed up hand? Like, for the longest time, didn't know this. He has this, like, really stubby hand. Okay? And I like trivia, and I was reading this thing that says that, that anytime he was in a scene, if you notice, he's always carrying something. He's got his clipboard. He's got his trumpet. He's always got something because he's hiding the hand. Here's the thing. As soon as I learned that, every time I watch MASH, all I see is that dude's hand. Right? I have become aware of the hand. And I am literally sitting there watching it going like, how did I miss that? How did I always miss that? Because you notice what you're paying attention to. Here's the thing. When we look back and remember with us as the focal point, we're going to miss God. Always. Because he's not the one we're looking for. But when we start looking back with him as the main character and the focal point, you're going to start looking at situations in our lives that you're going to sit there and go, how did I miss that? 
He was right there in front of me the whole time. And I completely missed it. Because we have to first remember in a way that makes us aware. And you're going to start becoming aware of God's glory and his goodness and his purpose for your life when we start looking back in remembrance to be aware of him. The second thing that remembering does when we do it the way God wants us to do it is remembering gives us confidence. So not only does it give us awareness, but then it starts giving us confidence. Right? It's, it allows me to know that in the midst of the unknown or in the midst of uncertainty, I can stand with confidence because I can look back and see what God has already done and know that he has the power to do it now. That God can take a heart that is completely full of hatred and anger towards him. Someone that hates him so much that wants to destroy any resemblance or any part of his church. And you have Saul, who becomes Paul. And then he becomes the defender of the faith that writes most of the New Testament and builds the church in ways that no other human being ever has. And we can look at our own lives and say, God, how could you ever transform me? How could you ever change me? How could I ever overcome these things in my life? And this uncertainty and this, I don't have confidence in myself, but I can say, you know what, God, I can look back and I can see how you worked in that man's life. And if you can do that in that man's life, you can do anything in my life. Because it gives me confidence. It allows me to stand secure that God is bigger than everything. He is bigger than everyone. There is nothing that surprises him. There is nothing that overtakes him. There is nothing that can defeat him. God has shown that over and over and over again. So when those moments come in my life, I can stand secure in confidence because I look back and I see what God has done. And I can stand here today and say, God, I know that you can accomplish anything you ask of me because of what you've already proven. We do that by looking back in the Bible. We do that by looking back in the stories of others. But we also do that when we look back in our own lives. It gives us confidence. And it also helps us in making really big decisions. We can look back and remember how God has led us and say, you know what, God, i got a big decision. I'm going to trust you in this decision. So I want to give you an example of this that, that, uh, from my own life. Um, so a few years ago, you know, if you're newer to the church, you might not be aware, but a few years ago, if we remember, again, we do forget things. Um, two churches, Revolution, Blessed Hope, we merged. Um, Here's the thing. During that time, when, when some of that started to come out, there was quite a few people that were around us. Um, and when I say us, I mean for, for me, that were just like, what are you doing? It didn't make sense. Um, we had people that, you know, close to us that were like not, not thrilled about the idea of it at first. And, you know, um, I had people, other leaders in churches that I told, and they were just like, are you, you know, there was a lot of questioning with it. And here's the thing. Um, through all of it, I was able to be like, no, I'm good with the decision. I'm good with the decision because of an experience that I had already had. 
And I can look back and say, God, you proved yourself with that. So I'm going to trust that in making this decision. And here's what that was. Uh, about six, seven years ago before that, Amy and I were in Missouri. We were, I was pastoring down in Missouri. And here's the thing. Um, when I was going to school to become a pastor, uh, this is what I was looking at. Man, I wanted a full-time job. I, you know, I wanted to work full-time um, in ministry. Hadn't had that before. When, 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 we, when I got to church, you know, here I am. I had my full-time position finally. Uh, we lived in a, a, a very beautiful house. I mean, the parsonage was an amazing house that we would never afford on our own, right? Um, so in this mindset, it was like, hey, we've arrived at what I've been waiting for. And here's the deal. When we decided to leave Missouri, I had a three-year-old and I had a one-year-old, okay? Uh, because of the circumstances that, that God led us to finally leave Missouri, here's the deal. I, I left a full-time ministry job that supported my family. I had a three-year-old and a one-year-old. We packed up our U-Haul and we moved back to Vinton and I had no job. We had no place to live. And it was like, all right, God, (laughs) you gotta do something. And here's the thing, complete and total peace with it. Never questioned it one moment. Complete and total peace. Now here's the thing. I could take that remembrance, and when we were having the conversations about merging, I felt the same exact peace I felt when we moved back to Iowa. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to put my confidence in that. And you can make decisions. And here's the thing. The reason that we moved back from Missouri is because when we moved to Missouri, it was the exact same thing. And we had peace then, too. I had peace. I don't know how much peace Amy had. Um, Hopefully you had peace. Um, When we moved to Missouri, it was was a a funny thing. We'd only been married a little over a year. And I looked at my wife and I said, hey, you want to move to Missouri? Was it two years? Okay. See? Forgetful. (laughs) Forgetful. Um, it was, it was so good, baby. It was only like a year. Just, um, here's the thing. Uh, when we moved down there, it was the same thing. Like I said, I looked at my wife about a month before. I was like, Hey, you want to move to Missouri? Uh, for me to enter into being a pastor down there. And, uh, within one month we packed up all our stuff and we moved down, uh, legitimately no job, no place to live. Uh, we ended up moving in with the pastor and his, and his wife. They gave us a room. That's what we, we moved to another state with nothing. And God was faithful, right? Peace. And, and, you know, there's so much of a story I can tell with that and with starting revolution and everything that God, and, and is that peace always remained in decisions. And here's the thing. Now I am able to make decisions. If I feel that peace, I say, okay, God, I remember. And I have confidence in making decisions. Because of how he's proven himself already. See, a powerful motivator for us is this. A powerful motivator for us believing God in our present is when we intentionally choose to remember how he's already worked in our past. That's why we have to be people that remember. See, the enemy wants you to forget what God has already done because it's going to make it that much harder to trust him when he calls you to jump again. So that's why we have to be people that remember. Here's, here's the last thing that why we remember. The last one is this. Remembering gives us perspective of the big picture. Right? It allows us to see the big picture. It changes our perspective. 
We start realizing that every day and every moment and every circumstance, whatever it is we're facing, whatever it is we're going through, when we choose to remember how God has been faithful, we remember the big picture that no matter how hard it is, we remember that's not the end of the story. This isn't the end. When we reach the place, I want to give up. I just want to be done. I want to stop. God reminds us, don't. I have been faithful. This is not the end of the story. Keep pushing forward. It gives us courage and humility and gratitude, and it gives us peace to keep living the life of faith that God has called us to live. It gives us the ability to run the race. Because our perspective changes from the moment to the big picture. That every day is simply just another piece in this beautiful grand design. And when we reach moments of just wanting to give up and throw in the towel, God says, don't do it because this is so much bigger than this one thing. We just had to teach this to to Libby. Um, I love that she's not up here because she can't try to do Matt's thing and get five bucks out of me, but... um, Last night, we come home, we had a pretty good day, and we were going to go down and see, I was excited because I said, girls, you want to watch Ghostbusters? They never want to watch my movies. And they said, yes, let's watch Ghostbusters. I was excited. And then I come upstairs, and Libby's bawling. I'm like, well, there went my night. Um, Anyways, here's the thing. She came home, great day. She took a quiz. A quiz. She got two out of seven. Ended her world in that moment. It took 45 minutes for her to stop crying about a quiz. I'm like, baby, I've bombed complete semesters. (laughs) Like, I almost didn't get invited back to college one semester. Like, they were like, hey, we have this cool group we want you to be part of, academic probation. I'm trying to explain this to her. And you just couldn't get through her because her mind did not see the big picture. She was destroyed. All of a sudden, she went from being, I am worthy and smart and God, you know, to I am stupid and I have failed and I can never recover. And I'm like, and and in my heart, I'm like, it's a quiz. I couldn't fathom the words to try to get her to understand big picture, right? But how often does the enemy want to do that to us? Something comes against us and all of a sudden everything deflates and it's all over. And that's when we choose to remember. And God says, listen, I've been faithful. This is just one piece of a bigger puzzle. It changes our perspective. So as we end our time this morning, here's my encouragement for us to be people of remembrance. First is this, choose to be someone that remembers what God has done throughout history and for others. Get in your word, get in the Bible. Know the story of God's people. Know how God has moved and worked. Know his promises, know his deeds. Read about other Christians, talk to other Christians, listen to the stories of the people around you. That's why we're in the church, is so we can learn from one another. Listen to how God has been faithful to others and be encouraged by that because their stories and his story all throughout the history of mankind is the things that God can use to lead and guide you. So learn about what God has done. Learn about everything God has done. The next is this. Remember what God has also done for you. 
Right? We need to be people that purposely and intentionally choose to remember what God has done for you. There was a great quote I came across that uh, it it just kind of struck me for a moment. It says, sometimes we focus so much on what we want God to do that we forget to stop and give thanks by remembering what we've already have in Christ. Right? Because we get forgetful. We start focusing on what we don't have or we think we still need and we don't take the time to just remember what I already have. And be thankful. And say, in Christ, I already have everything that I need. Also, like we talked before, remember what he has done in your own experiences. Start looking back on your life and saying, God, show me you in this. I wasn't paying attention. Let me see you in this. And then also remember to proclaim the glory and goodness of God. Tell your own story. That's how we remember, is tell your own story. Do you realize how God has been faithful to you will be the very thing that God can use to encourage his faithfulness to someone else? But unfortunately, many times we don't tell our stories. I was thinking about this this morning, and this is just kind of the you know, final illustration or thought, is I, I, on the way to church, actually, I started thinking, it, and I was like, man, God, it's encouraging to think about, uh, you know, Peter, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Peter walking on water. And I was like, oh, God, that's amazing. You know, I wish I could, you know, that would be amazing to walk on water. And then all of a sudden, I, I felt this kind of, this, this thought, and, and it was simply this, well, David, you already have walked on water. And I was like, well, that, no, I think I remember that. You know, it was kind of what was going through my head. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have, and he said, no. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about this. And here's the point. Um, yeah, I've never physically walked on water. But you know what? There have been moments in my life where the waves of life have tried to pull me down. Maybe depression, despair, anger, frustration, whatever it is. Unforgiveness. Some sin has tried to pull me down, destroy me in some way. Just, the way, just like the waves were pulling Peter down. And see, the thing that went through my head is, is this is the faithfulness of God, right? He, in his power in my life, was when I chose to call out to him. He took my hand and he allowed me to rise above the thing that was trying to destroy me. And he allowed me to walk over it. And here's the thing. All of us have stories of walking on water. There's been something that's been trying to destroy you and pull you under the point of defeat. And because of God's goodness and his glory and his faithfulness, he's pulled you up and allowed you to walk over it. Every one of us have stories of walking on water. And we need to be able to remember those and share them with one another. Because as we do, we will strengthen our own faith and we're going to strengthen the faith of each other. So, simply... God calls us to be people of remembrance. It's up to us on whether we intentionally do that or not. But let's pray. Lord God, as we leave here today, there might be many parts of, of we just kind of look at, look at Scripture or look at the past and we say, it's just too much, Lord. I can't. There's just too much to remember. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's not about me remembering um, everything. It's about me trusting that you're going to give me what I need to remember at the moment I need to remember it.
I, I love the fact that you tell us, Jesus, that you're going to give the comforter. The Holy Spirit will descend upon us, and, and one of his responsibilities is he's going to bring to our remembrance the things that you have taught us. Lord, that's not just simply the words you say or the, the sermons that you gave Jesus that are recorded in the Bible. That's remembrance of all the ways that you have been present in our lives. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the very things that we need and the moments that we need them when we trust you. Lord, I pray that we, we start getting excited, that we can say, even if our lives have been unbelievably difficult, we are able to look back, and, and there's a way that we can change our perspective, and we are able to see you. And that's going to encourage us, and it's going to bless us, and it's going to bring understanding of things that we have maybe never understood before. Lord, let us be people that remember in a way that makes you the focal point and brings you glory. Lord, encourage us as we go, knowing that you have a future for us, you have a plan for us as individuals, as a church, with excitement knowing that the God who is faithful through all, throughout all human history is the God that is faithful for me. What an amazing thought as we leave this place. So let us go with encouragement as we leave. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.